Welcome to the Peacebuilding Practitioner, a resource page and podcast for people working on conflict, on peacebuilding and on social justice issues. My name is Bjorn Eser and I'm the founder of and shaker and maker behind the Peacebuilding Practitioner. Welcome back to Season 3 of the Peacebuilding Practitioners podcast. Season 3 is all about digital peacebuilding, this highly complex, tremendously exciting, often messy and quickly developing intersection where emerging technologies and the digital world on the one hand and conflict transformation, peacebuilding, human rights and social justice work on the other hand meet. Today, I have the pleasure of welcoming Matilda Vakatoriko from GIZ. So that's a German international corporation with me. Matilda is a very experienced conflict transformation advisor with a special focus on dialogue processes. And I got to know her about a year ago when we met here in Bonn in Germany as someone who is really passionate about peacebuilding and about social justice work. Matilda, welcome on this podcast show. Oh, thank you, Björn. I'm truly honored and thank you for having me here. Yeah, Matilda, we met about a year ago. Can you tell us just a bit more about yeah. your background and your current work in conflict transformation? Sure. So I am an advisor in the civil peace service, like Bern mentioned, more directed way into dialogue spaces, dialogue trainings, and we support some partner organizations here in their own dialogue processes. And especially the initiative that we are working the most and we are giving it a lot of time and space because we are firm believers that this is an amazing space is the so-called dialogue school that we have been working. Well, not myself, but this is an initiative that has already 11 years, almost 12 actually. Wow. And yeah. this is, yeah, it's amazing. And well, this is a dialogue space, but this is also a method, a workshop that allows an environment for deep reflection and For this, we address 13 topics, 13 themes that are very crucial and linked to genuine dialogue, like we like to call it. And in these 13 topics, we address themes related to dialogue and human behavior and social behavior and to understand where we are as a human being in a dialogue process, which is very important. And sometimes we forget to do it, such as emotions, assumptions, power, interculturality, nonviolent communication, dialogue principles. We went very far analyzed to reflect about these topics together. But uh, as you mentioned before, we had to have a transition to, <laughs> to a more digital space because of the pandemic. It's really interesting that you say, It's already running for 11, almost 12 years. And you mentioned this, yeah. what I sometimes call a bit with a, let's say, with a pinch of salt, the tyranny of tools. You know, we see it more and more in the professionalization of our field of work. There come lots of tools and frameworks and reference frames. And partly that's great, mm -hmm. but partly forget that it's about human relationships. That's about building trust. Yeah, that right. is about also yeah, clashing with each other, but in emotionally safe space where it's okay to disagree. And where we actually also need the gut feeling. So it's this mixture of being professional, having tools which add value to our work, but at the same time being sure it's about human relationships and it takes time. And I can only, I'm not even sure if I can imagine that something that has been fine-tuned and tested and over and over reworked over a decade and being closely monitored that doesn't do to harm, but actually allows genuine human interaction across divides, across conflict and emotional load and divides. What does it take under time pressure when the pandemic hit with the lockdowns to actually move something from face-to-face -face human interaction into a rather impersonal digital space? 
You know, that's that's a great question. And I would say it was definitely hard. Um, <laughs> not just I mean, not, not just professionally and what it took to take everything, you know. It was also very demanding. I mean, it was hard to, to you know to work in the pandemic. We were all trying to figure it out, but we did it. I would say we had this assumption at the beginning, honestly, that this wasn't going to work. We would say, you know, maybe we will have to switch, you know, like a more regular or traditional space because yeah, like you said, how to switch, how to have a safe space, a secure space for the participants in an online environment. And yeah, we weren't too optimistic at the beginning, but at the end, I would say that we were very impressed yeah, with the things we achieved. And for that, we, we had, I mean, it was a long road. I would say we took more than 10 months to adapt everything yeah. because we hired a consultant. For example, we, we use a lot of visual thinking and images yeah, for, yeah. For, for the School of Dialogue in, in person. But we have to switch also to the virtual session. So we try to put them in a GIF format, GIF format. Yeah, yeah. So the, the image will have more movement and it will be more attractive to the eye. So for that, we had to hire a consultant because, I mean, we do, do not know at all how to how to do this kind of work. And also this consultant suggests us some dynamics because they understood. And in the past, there were some facilitators in the School of Dialogue mm -hmm. as well. So they knew what we were talking about. So that was great. So we weren't alone for this, but it took a lot of time. And I mean, we have a method. We call the School of Dialogue also a method because we follow like a four-step methodology that it is based of COLPS learning and significant learning how to achieve this kind of impactful learning, let's yeah. say. And moving that to an online space, it definitely took us some time. So we usually have a dynamic as a first step, a game. And you cannot have the same games, you know, in the, that we had in the in-person session. So we have to try out a lot of games in order to work. And then we had a reflection, but how to especially how to keep up people's attention, you yeah. know, because I would say that's one of the main challenges that online trainings or online spaces have until now. It's hard, you know, because usually people is not paying attention. And as a third step, we have a small conceptual input. And the first step, we have a reflection in pairs. Yeah. So we had to move these four steps to online and that definitely took some time. Yeah. Yeah. And as you mentioned, I think for many people who were under this time pressure or in this decision-making pressure, do we stop processes, especially in the beginning when we didn't know, can we just sit it out? Is it a matter mm -hmm. of six, eight, ten weeks and then we continue? Or is it something where we say, well, let's just continue whatever's possible, not yet knowing what is possible. And I think you think about mm -hmm. it from your organizational perspective. But what did it also take from people? Because as you said, it's not just saying, okay, here's our content and concept. And now we move everything online and it's not about just a software. It's about a new concept. And how did you make sure that the people who trusted the process before, the face-to-face -face process, also trust and engage with the process online in a meaningful way? I mean, that takes time, even in an in-person session, yeah. you know, that, that takes a lot of time to build safe space. So I would say that in an online space, it takes even more time than an in-person session. And the method has helped us through the years is how we approach things. We try to have a very close relationship with the participant. So we try to do the same in the online session. So we always had a person contact. And in most of the spaces, it was me, for example. So I write the participants every day mm, if they had yeah. questions. You know, if, for example, you know, in, in some part of the session, I noticed that someone felt the, the meeting and I asked, you know, 
what part did you fail? Did you need maybe a summary? And and I send them, you know, an audio, even though it's not the best option, you know, to show the participant that we are acknowledging his or her difficulties too. And throughout the method, also, we try to ask the participants to show themselves the person who is behind. Mm. So we encourage them through all the process and also in the in-person session to not mention, for example, the position that I have in my work mm, or in mm. my leadership. So we usually have some leadership from the indigenous communities. Yeah. Also, you know, if I have a doctorate or I have a master's degree. So we try to forget all of that baggage yeah, yeah. in order to really connect with other people. And also in this reflection that I said in the fourth step, this reflection pair that I have to talk with someone else. So we try to encourage this part at the end of every session. So really at the end, we really talk with everyone, you know, because that's something that usually happens also in an online training. Sometimes you just talk with one, two, three people, but we always do this first step with everyone. So one session, it will be with two people and the second it will be with a completely different person. So at the end, everyone really got a chance to know everyone in a very deep way, not just superficial. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that sounds great. Uh, demanding and great. If you look back, and I'm not sure if, if there is even a proper answer to this one, but let me ask this question anyway. If you now look back okay. with kind of the benefit of hindsight, when did you know, yes, we cracked it? Yes, we managed. Yes, it's possible. Was there one special moment or was it just something where now looking yeah. back, you think, no, it, it's good? Um, I would say it happened in two different moments. I would say the crucial themes that we have in the School of Dialogue, like the core, its emotions and assumptions. Mm -hmm. And that will be like the third or fourth session when we listen to people like discussing and sharing very deep and personal examples and how grateful they were. That was a very good sign for us. Mm -hmm. I mean, this person feels like he or she's secure yeah. enough to share this information. Yeah, true that. Yeah. And that's a, definitely a good sign. And also, I would say as a second thing, people were very, very engaged and excited. We had an evaluation as a team and we agreed that it, it definitely worked because of these signs that I mentioned before. Mm -hmm. But the people, when they evaluated the space, they confirmed this assumption that we had. Yeah. Oh, that's good. And yeah. yeah, it was great. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Now that we're back to prior to the pandemic, and at the same time, I mean, this was such a forced experience, but at the same time, a good experience where we say, now all of us have to see what works online, what doesn't work online, what works complementary, what works yeah. in substitution, what can be fallback options. If you now look back, what is worth keeping? What is nice having as a backup option? And where do you say, It was good for not being able to do the other things. So we have something, but actually we don't use it anymore. What are your learnings from mm. the last two and a half years? Well, I would say we have a lot. <laughs> um, a lot of lesson learned and fun experiences and not so funny. You know, in the process that we change, you know, these games, these dynamics to an online environment. At the beginning, we had this aim or, you know, we were very excited because there are so many options mm. out there that you could have some games online and they are amazing, you know, very, um, very interactive and so on. And at the beginning, we tried to use that, you know, because we said, oh, you know, this game is amazing. And this game allows us, you know, to reflect about this topic that we yeah. want to discuss. And we realized that it, it wasn't that good because, you know, you have to register yourself. And if you want to use it, you need to be familiar with this kind of environment. Mm. And we were working mostly with people who are not digital natives. And that was certainly a thing that we should have considered at the beginning because yeah. they were so hard to use. 
even though they were amazing and we would have loved to work with these online platforms, they were not they were not so good for that purpose. Yeah, so yeah. we had to make it simpler. Yeah. You know, I would say I would say that was the main, main lesson that we had to make things simpler mm. because the objective, the tool or the digital tool will not be the end, you know, it's not the purpose to use them. It's just a tool. So we make it simpler and we start using platforms or well, tools like online PowerPoint or online Word if we wanted to make something interactive because participants were more familiar with these tools. Mm. You know, and even though using this, it still was hard for yeah, some participants. Yeah. But it was much, much simpler and it was definitely a big, big lesson learned. So we have to give up these beautiful tools, but at the end we didn't need them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was not necessary at the beginning. Another thing that we learned through the process, and thankfully we received a lot of support in this part, is that it is easy to, you know, prepare an online training, but some people do not have Wi-Fi. And that's a reality, and their connection is not that well. So uh, thankfully we got the help to pay the participants to buy credit for their phones. Mm -hmm. It won't be secure, but at least to have the money and, and the means to pay for two hours and a half that we used to be in this online yeah. session. It was hard because even though we tried to guarantee the connection with this, I mean, it was definitely a good thing. But that's something that we at the end learned that we cannot control it. It is hard because we try, and like I said, we try to contact them and say, you know, this half an hour you weren't able to connect. So we try to talk yeah, about yeah. and explain, you know, whatever we were discussing about. But yeah, I mean, it's really hard to understand that that's a thing that we cannot control. But at the same time, we we did our best, you know, at least covering the cost for this thing. And I also mentioned we switched to two hours and a half sessions. And at the beginning, we wanted to have like longer sessions yeah. <laughs> um, because we usually have a retreat. Yeah, I mean, yeah. a whole week we used to be in, in a very beautiful space, you know, and now we had to switch. So we divided these 13 topics and we did one topic, one session. And so we had to do it for two hours and a half because three hours, it was too much and two hours, it was too little. So we tried to have like a good combination, even though I would say that's a long, yeah, I mean, yeah. that's long for an online space, but we couldn't afford to reduce it. And well, we tried to use a lot of energizers and pauses of, in order to be easier for the participants to be there. Yeah. Just listening to it, it's so funny. As I work a lot from home and my main business is running trainings, running consultancies, engaging with people. And as you said, normally three days in a row, eight or nine hours a day with a couple of breaks and face to face, that's nice. You know, it's, it's exhausting, but there's a positive yeah. energy in the room and people really find it rewarding and engaging and are willing to put in the energy. And then in the beginning, I also thought, oh, great, let's just move it online. And mm -hmm. so you had like three and a half hours in the morning and a short lunch break, three and a half hours in the afternoon. And after the first week, you think, for sure not. <laughs> it's a bit like going back in time two and a half years and thinking, yeah, that's how we all started. And also what you said is keeping it simple. The technical platforms are there to support a learning process, not to distract from a learning process. And it's so easy to think, oh, there's a cool platform and there's another nice software and there's a plug-in and there's something I can use. And you think people, including myself, are completely overwhelmed. And think, keep it simple. What supports an online learning process? What focuses the energy? 
what focuses people's concentration and what distracts from it. And I think it's probably for all of us worldwide, no matter if we worked more on community level, on business to business level, on policy level, I think it was quite a steep learning curve. And also something where I'm quite thankful for, I must say, because with shrinking spaces, with smaller budgets, with authoritarian regimes, with our carbon footprint, I think we really have to see what works well, what is a good alternative, and what is something which was, let's say, worth having the try, but <laughs> no, not again. And I think there it's good to also engage in the community in saying what, what works, not just as individual approaches, but as a package, as a complex approach. And uh, I'm really thankful mm. for these exchanges with you and others and, and seeing what can we draw out. If you now know there's a big audience out there listening to all these things, what are some of the things where you say, well, given the fact that we have to deal with shrinking spaces, with smaller budgets, with probably travel restrictions every once in a while, what are some of the things where you say these are things really worth taking also into the future as a core tool, a core approach, a core component of any peace-building conflict transformation work in terms of digital approaches, in terms of online or other digital components? So what would you say are really good components you want to take forward and you want to encourage others to also play around with them and say, these might be great options, not just fallback options? The main learning I have, like personally, that it is possible, you know, it is possible to have an impactful process, a deep process in an online environment. Yeah. And of course, it will not be the same as any person session. I mean, we cannot compare. I, I would say there are two different spaces and you could prioritize what things you could do in an online session yeah. or an in-person session. Yeah. You know, we were actually having this kind of discussions because we are now in the process of moving forward the methodology outside the GI set. I mean, as a sustainability strategy, I mean, it cannot stay just in the GI set. It, it has to be also developed from other Bolivian organizations yeah. and international yeah, organizations yeah. too. I mean, I haven't mentioned it, but we have a school of dialogue in Honduras and a school of dialogue in Canada. Oh, cool. Yeah, and that's amazing. And we have this discussion. I mean, in the moment this method goes out the cooperation and we want to have the means, you know, the financial means to support us as cities and the in-person session, you have to make some cuts. Yeah. And for that, I mean, the virtual option, I mean, that's a good option at the end in order to be very efficient with your expenses. We realize, I mean, ideally, it would be great to have this in-person session, but sometimes you cannot have maybe a mix or a blended space. It worked. And we have tried a blended space for the School of Dialogue too. So one part virtual, another part an in-person. And that worked as well. And we reduced significantly our budget for that. I mean, we did learn a lot of things throughout this experience. And another thing that I would say that it is definitely worth spending is, at least for us, is this graphic systematization, mm. graphic recording tool. I would say that as a second lesson that we have, that it was amazing. Keeping the participants' attention in an online environment, that, that I would say it's very crucial. It was amazing because, I mean, you love to see yourself draw. You mentioned something, you know, throughout the space on our, our graphic recorder. I mean, that he is very talented. I mean, it's beautiful, but this tool is not only because it's a beautiful tool, but it is also a way to connect with participants yeah. and to see in a long draw what you have done in a whole session and what you have set. So you can see yourself saying something and people, you know, like to see themselves in this kind of draws. And, you know, I would say that was one of the key factors for keep the participants' attention throughout the whole session. I would say that's very motivating 
And that's a thing that I will always look in our spaces to keep having this graphic recording. And also, we, you know, we had a couple spaces where our graphic recorder couldn't attend. And we saw a big difference, especially yeah, in yeah. the participation. Of, yeah, because, yeah, it's like, oh, well, you know, in this session, I won't be seeing myself, you know, in a draw. So <laughs> the participation, actually, you know, it was less than other sessions. This is good investment to do in online spaces. I mean, yeah. in every space, I mean, in, yeah. in person, but in online, I would say it helps a lot with attention because, I mean, being honest, I mean, even myself being in online sessions or trainings, I mean, I'm answering emails, you know, or I'm listening <laughs> something yeah. extra, but not really being there. So Yeah, yeah, yeah the temptations are great. <laughs> As you know, from my own work, I mean, I quite like visual facilitation. I quite like to work with drawings, but that's face-to-face. And I try to bring some of that into my online work. In the beginning, I found it hard, but I think I'm getting the heck of it now. But as you said, moving it even a bit further, this graphic recording, which is beyond my skill level, I must admit, but I think it's something for the audience, really check it out somewhere on YouTube or so. Graphic recording really adds another element. And as you said, not just, okay, it looks nice and snazzy and it's colorful, but it actually is a great way of not being so word-bound, focused on text, but having something which sparks ideas mm-hmm. and creativity and is a great anchor for coming back to it the next week or is a great visual anchor for refocusing discussions. And I think it's a really good hint just mentioning that so other people can also or other organizations can also look into that option. Yeah, you know, actually, another lesson learned was to understand that having an online space, it's difficult to do several things at the same time. So the Mm -hmm. graphic recorder just stayed as a graphic recorder to have full attention of what people saying. Because you just see one person through a little box, it's not like an in-person session. And also when you're facilitating, you you cannot take about the logistics in the Zoom account at the same time, for example, trying to reach some participants or making groups and so on. So we tried to divide this work between the whole team and we were a lot. We were three people and we divide the logistics someday one person and we try to switch but facilitation logistics the preparation of the session itself we try to divide it because it was it was a heavy workload and also the graphic recorded as a fourth person in the session so i mean we did had a lot of help and especially at, at the beginning because we were uncertain how to manage things i would say that was a great help great Matilda, I could listen to you and chat with you for another hour. Unfortunately, our time is slowly coming to an end. Before we slowly wrap it up, if people want to learn more about the work of GIZ in your area, especially the Civil Peace Service and the Dialogue School or School for Dialogues, is there any homepage or anything where people can learn more about this work? Sure. Yeah. If you would like to see our printed material that we have, we have it in Bibica, which is the online library from the GI set. So you just type School of Dialogue in this online library and you will find our guide to how to prepare School of Dialogue. Oh, cool. And also we have the conceptual text about the, these 13 topics that I've mentioned yeah. before. That's another printed material that you could download as well in this yeah. library. And Is this library open to the public? Yeah, yeah it, oh, it, great. it is open yeah. to Bibica, you can find Bibica. Yeah. It's the library from the GI set, and you could find documents there. And it's an online and open page that you could download everything. I'll make sure I put the link in the show notes. So that's probably easiest yeah. for people to find. Great. Yeah. Great. And also, if you would like to have more information about the School of Dialogue here in Bolivia, you could contact my coordinator and you will find her contact link in the GI set page from the CBLP service in Bolivia. Oh, great. Yeah. 
So last but not least, now we talked a lot about your work. We talked about the work of the GIZ for already stretching the last, you said, a decade or even more. But now for the audience, we're talking about digital peace building. Is there any other resource? And there can be anything, a piece of software, a manual, a book, uh, I don't know what, which you could recommend to others, which goes beyond your own work at the moment. Even though it's a bit related to my work, but that's a thing that really helped me through this process and digital process and to understand how people learn. It's learning theories about cults and also how important is in learning to be entertained. I mean, if you are in a boring space, you will not be interested in continual learning. And that's another authoring learning that I really like this topic of learning and how people learn. So I would say it is great to understand this part at the beginning and then prepare online session or digital spaces to feel more connected or even have more responsible spaces for them. So yeah, I would definitely recommend Kolb's theory. And he is definitely amazing to understand how people learn and how to achieve very significant learning process yeah great hint i think also one where looking at Kolbe's theory about adult education about educational spaces and process and also using that theory to now look back and reflect about what yeah, things done cool. and then reevaluate. great that's also a good good reminder for me to go back to that theory because i think i read it 10 12 years ago and haven't looked at it since so thanks that's a good one Yeah, I'd also I, I forgot about one uh, which is related also, which is environmental conflict. If you're interested to learn more about this, we have some examples in Bolivia, especially. You could go to Nur University. It's an Bolivian university which is really focused in investigation, and you could download there some tools of conflict management and conflict resolution, but also applied with some examples because they have an online training uh, about conflict resolution, which is great. I would highly recommend. I mean, if you are a Spanish speaker, you could take that course because it is an online space. So we had visitants from different countries to have this course in environmental conflict resolution. And that's great. Great. That sounds great. And I also going to put that link into the show notes so it's easy for people to find it and check it out, especially for people who are more or less fluent in Spanish or at least are willing to give it a try. Matilda, it's been a real pleasure. Uh, time flew by. I'm really thankful that you took the time and really thankful that you shared with me and with other peacebuilding conflict transformation practitioners out there, people who normally work in really demanding, very complex, often quickly changing environments and who constantly have to make the decision face-to-face -face work, digital work, complementary, hybrid, blended work. And I think the more they learn from you and the more we learn from each other, the easier it is to build our toolboxes And not just the tools, but also understand the contexts and the concepts which underpin that. Great. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you. I mean, it's great to talk about these topics. And I mean, I'm very passionate about, so it's, it's great. Thank you for the invitation. Pleasure. So much for today. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Make sure you hit the subscribe button so you won't miss out on any of the future episodes. And I would really appreciate if you leave me a rating on iTunes, on Spotify, Stitcher or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. If you want to learn more about the Peacebuilding Practitioner, head over to my webpage. That's www.thepeacebuildingpractitioner.org where you find plenty of articles from practitioners for practitioners. And if you want to dive even deeper into this field of work, join us for one of our online courses. If you want to learn more about that, just get in contact with me. You find the contact details in the show notes or on my webpage.